Love City Arts Podcast. I'm Andre in the Flow. I wanted to create a space where artists could come together and encourage all of humanity through the arts. So welcome to that space. For more information, to follow my journey and the journey of all of our artists, visit andreintheflow.com and lovecityarts.org. Please enjoy today's episode and thanks for listening. Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and grew up listening to all different kinds of music ranging from big band, classic rock, funk, R&B, and soul. She started her passion for the performing arts at the young age of six with the Academy of Dance Arts and the study of ballet, jazz, and tap. She continued performing locally throughout middle and high school where her love for music grew. She went on to study musical theater at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke, and while attending, she performed in roles such as Nell and Ain't Misbehaving, Ethel Tolfemeyer and Music Man, Dolores and Babes in Arms, and Sweeney Todd. Not only did she graduate with a BM in musical theater, she also placed in the Nats competition for musical theater singers. DeWine continues to perfect her craft in following her dream of performing on the big stage. Recent credits include Lena Younger and A Raisin in the Sun at Roxy Regional Theater, Motormouth Maybell and Hairspray, Mrs. O'Neill and Sunshine Boys, Emma and Funny Girl, Sylvia and All Shook Up, Lady from the Road and Blues in the Night, The Apollo Performer and the Buddy Holly Story, BJ and Smokey Joe's Cafe. She's gone on to tour in The Miracle on 34th Street and Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad as Miss Ross. Duwam would like to give special thanks to her family and friends for their love and support. there and hello to everybody. Welcome to the Love City Arts Podcast. I'm Andre in the Flow. And today's guest is Dewan Hayes. She's a singer, actor, mover that's based in New Jersey. And she and I have had the privilege of working on a few professional contracts throughout the East Coast. Welcome to the show, Dewan. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Awesome, awesome. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful Sunday here in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm really, really grateful to have you on the show. Well, thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I just said that you were a singer, actor, mover based in New York, uh, in New Jersey. Sorry. What does that look like for you? Um, it looks great. <laughs> a lot of people don't like um, Jersey. Um, well, I'm in East Orange, New Jersey, and I'm on the Bloomfield side. It's, uh, like I would say, five eight minutes away from North New Jersey. Um, if you take the uh, the train, it's like 25 minutes away from New York. So I love it. <laughs> so you're able to get in really quickly to auditions and move and shake? Yes, yes. Because no offense, I love everybody that lives in New York, but it, it, it's too small. It's, <laughs> I, I need my... <laughs> yeah, the, the, the living quarters are too cramped. You need more space to like spread out. Yes, I, I'm originally from North Carolina, so us country folks down in North Kakalaki, we we used to the countryside and 
apartments or houses that have a lot of space. So Jersey is the closest thing right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, North Kakalaki, <laughs> I hear you. So tell me a little bit about your artistry. Like, uh, where are you coming alive these days on stage? I know that you recently did uh, Raisin in the Sun. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, well, that was kind of uh, an amazing experience because that was, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, a musician, uh, more of a singer. So that was actually my third play, professional play. Um, and for me to do something like that as far as being a, uh, how you say, uh, a co-lead, because I played Lena, Lena Younger, which was the, uh, the grandmother in the show. Um, it was a very challenging role. Um, and that was an amazing experience in itself. So, uh, as far as me doing musicals, I tend to like to do, uh, <laughs> like Motowny. Um, I'm, I love doing Hairspray. I think that is like one of my favorite roles because I've done Hairspray, I think about four times already. Um, I'm, I'm about to do Buddy Holly and that will be my third time doing it. Um, before Hairspray, I did... You were you were motormouth, right? You were motor motormouth, motor. Yeah, motormouth, Mabel. <laughs> what was it like playing that role? Oh God, it was amazing to put on that blonde wig and act all motherly and sexy and hippie and all that. It it was amazing. That's and that's do, amazing. Yeah, two. And you were saying songs. you were saying before before hairspray. You were going to tell us about what you were doing before that. Um, before Hairspray, I, um, I took a break, uh, because Hairspray was like literally a tour, um, like a mini tour, because, uh, we did it from California to, um, New Jersey, at Beach Haven, New Jersey. Um, I took a little break, and then before that, I did, uh, Miracle on 34th Street. I did a little national tour of that. And then before that, I did Funny Girl, and I played, uh, Emma, which was, Barbara Streisand, uh, Fanny Bryce's assistant, and so I like to, I like to tend to do musical theater sometimes contemporary, but on back because I love old school musicals. I mean, um, the classics. I love the whole, yeah, I love the classics like Fred and Ginger, Gene Kelly, um, Jerry Herman, you know, Mame, and all of them. For me to even do. Uh, like I did show two one time up here in New Jersey, and it was like a collage of uh, Jerry Herman show tune songs, and that was a great experience for me because when I went to school for musical theater, it was you know we was drilled to do mo- mostly like operetta and uh, golden age musical theater. We never really tackled on a lot of contemporary musical theater, you know. Is that when you it, fell in love with, with musical theater? Was it in college or was it earlier than that? Oh, no, it was earlier than that. I think it was, uh, I fell in love with music, period. I, I It started when I was little, when I, um, first I, I fell in love with, I think every every person, every <laughs> every black person would fall in love with the Jackson 5 and Michael Jackson. Yes. But um, it kind of escalated when I was in high school because, of uh, my parents, especially my father, because he would always have these these albums, the albums of of, of, of Parliament Funkadelic and uh, Stevie Wonder. And so for, you know, when I would do my homework, I would just put on those albums and I would just start listening to them. And then I would just say to myself, well, from the 60s and 70s, what was the music that these musicians would listen to? So then 
just started to do the research and listen to all these big band music like Tommy Dorsey, Glenn, Glenn Miller, Benny Goodman, Billie Holiday, and you know, all, and Duke Ellington. And I just got so fascinated with all these musicians. And that's when I was in high school. And when, you know, when you're in high school, you're junior and senior, that's when you got to figure out what you're going to do when you go to college. So I said to myself, um, I don't know what I'm going to do, but what if I go to college, what would I love to do, you know, for the rest of my life? And I remember literally coming home one day and turning on the TV to Turner Classic Movies because I, I would watch that all the time. I was not that kind of kid that would watch HBO, BET, VH, VH1, MTV. A bit of an old watch. soul, yeah, like watching Turner Classics. Yeah, the black and white movies and AMC mm. and all that. I turned it on and I watched this Fred and Ginger musical. And I said, that's what I want to do. I want to do musicals because I love singing and dancing. And I said I, I said to my parents, I want to go to school for music because I love singing. And that's amazing. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then it was like, well, okay. And then I went, when I went to school the next day, I was in music and uh, I was in choir. And I said to my teacher, I want to go to school for music. And he said, no, you're not good enough. And I was always that type of person where a person would say no to me. I would always say, why? Why wasn't I good enough? And wait, I wait, wait, wait. So the, the, the yeah. professor or the teacher said you can't do music because you're not good enough? Mm-hmm. Well, you're dealing with the South, mind you. I see, I see. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's one thing, because... I'm thankful for my family and I'm thankful for my parents because my my father he's from originally New Jersey so because up in New Jersey and up in New York New York you have all these concentrated schools where they have all these art schools down south you don't really have that right. you don't really have that so you know when when a person says no I was taught to question why or there was never a can't. And there was, and, and the way my family was, they was always said, they always said to me, there was never a dumb question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you you're can always ask the question. Yeah, I was always that person to ask the question because if I did not know the question, you know, and if that person did not know the question, know the answer to the question, then hey, you know. Yeah, yeah. So this teacher yes. says to you that, that you can't do it. That gives you the inspiration and this kind of like extra push to go. Like, you don't get to tell me what I can and cannot do. Let's investigate this and see actually what's possible for me. Yeah, let's extrapolate the situation. Let's go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in school. You complete your degree. Um, where, where was it? Uh, University of North Carolina at Pembroke. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And then you're out into the world um, beyond that, doing musical theater professionally, which is amazing. Um, yeah. How does love come through your artistry on stage? Oh, wow. Uh... Because I just seen some uh, photos today on the good old Facebook of you playing Lena um, in that show. And I mean, I'm seeing everything from full-blown tears to smiles to comforting. I think you slapped somebody in one of the things uh, in one <laughs> of the photos. It looked like you did. Um, there's there's so much love emanating out of you in your photos. Like, where does that come from? Um, I think, you know, and I and these, these posted last night, and I was showing these to my grandparents. Um, 
I knew, like, when I was doing this show, it was a great sense of responsibility because first it was in February, and you're representing, first it was Black History Month. Yes. I, I thought of that first. Um, but then you're standing on the shoulders of people that were before you doing this show, like Sidney Poitier, Ruby D. And I, I took that and I said, okay, yes, you have those people, but you have to incorporate yourself and then, you know, as an actor. Because for one, I was like, I'm a musician. I, I do musicals. Woo, <laughs> And I, I said to myself, uh, the third day, I wanted to quit because I was like, this is a lot. This is intensity. I mean, like, because I had to say, I had to go back to the basics of acting, like, you know, Stanislavski and, and Stella Adler, like, you know, because I had, I think I had about eight monologues because when you have people that have never been in acting, like, you got to learn. I had a stage manager that would tell me, you have to learn your lines. You have to learn your lines. And I'm looking at that stage manager, I was like, I know my lines, but what is the purpose of me saying these lines? What is the given circumstance? I have to have an emotion to say these lines. I have to tap into that. And what and did it, you it, what did you ultimately tap into? Well, I um I had a lot of it had to do with my family. Um to go into my family's shoes and think about like what my grandparents went through. Because when you think about it, this Raven and Son was based in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandparents were just, you know, starting out. You know, that was when my fa- my father was born, and you know, this is 1960. So you're you're just talking about 10 years. So thinking about how my grandparents was living and how they raised my father, my aunt, and my uncle you know, and in, in New Jersey and living in the projects mm-hmm. and then moving into a house, whereas in back in that time, East Orange, New Jersey on North Arlington Avenue was basically, we were like the second black people to live on North Arlington Avenue and everybody else was white. Thinking of that, it was like very intense. And then sitting down and talking to my grandmother about how things were, back in her time, incorporating that, and then thinking about things that are happening now in today, yes. <laughs> and then, like, you know, the, the, the uh, when I was rehearsing the second week, which is almost like tech week, and then finally delving into your emotions and the given circumstance, I can, I remember seeing some of the actors that was acting with me, and they was like, oh, she's that kind of actor, because that's when I tapped into it. Yeah, things like, started to kind of open up for you. Yeah, and then the lines just came flowing out, and they were like, okay, yeah, we got a show. And I remember the yes. director saying, because, um, <laughs> well, what's the saying? Black don't crack, and I still look young for me to play the grandmother. And the director literally said, you know, they a few people were kind of worried because when I told them I was the mother, they just looked at me like, you're playing the mother? You kind of look young. But, you know makeup and, you know, dyeing your gray, uh, hair a little gray, you know, and then, you know, the presence and the acting and everything. Yeah, the photos, the photos looked amazing. I mean, you literally transformed. Um, It was very um, awesome to see. Now, you said earlier that that there was a point, and I want to break this out for the listeners. There was a point in the journey where you really, really wanted to give up and quit. 
Um, what did you say to yourself? How did you talk to yourself? Or I know that you leaned on family and, and friends and things like that, but like, what was your process in actually digging yourself out of this I want to quit space? Um, I called my mom. Okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I was like, I I can't do this. I I think I should quit. And my mom, she, you know how every parent has that trigger point, you know, to every child that says, you know, your full name. My mom was like, now, Dewan Christie Hayes. Okay. You, <laughs> um, you've, been, you've been acting all your life. Put it in, but I understand you are a singer and, you know, musicals are your comfort zone put it into a rhyme and everything like that. And knowing me, it's not, it, it didn't trigger because, you know, it's like, this ain't going to work. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I said, and she was like, but it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You were meant to do this role for a reason at this time, at this moment. You were meant to do, do this role for a reason. And after she hung up with me, I, I literally prayed. I prayed to I pray to everybody that's gone. And I always do this before show, and you know this because you see me do this. Yes, yes. Um, and I, I pray to my great grand, and I say, you got to help me get through this. And after that, you know, it kind of worked itself out. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. You're talking about praying to the ancestors, like asking for that extra little push. Yeah. That's so amazing. and all of your amazing talent that you have. Um, what other activities in life outside of music make are the things that make you come alive? Um, <laughs> well, uh, I do mentor a lot. I, I will say that. I do try to mentor to the, the, the next generation because I do, <laughs> when they talk about like the, the generation before us is the lost generation, you know, th- th- this, this new generation is the millennials. I yeah. do believe they are the generation. Um, some of them. Some of them are good. But uh, we've had this conversation a lot of times where uh, I don't think they're prepared. Um, I don't think that, you know, they need guidance. I remember when I was down there in uh, Tennessee uh, in, like, some of the uh, – one of our castmates goes to Austin P and he brought his uh, friend over and he was auditioning for SETC and some of my cast um, could you are, could you uh, not to pause you but could you explain to our listeners what SETC is for those who may not know yes it's a southeastern theater conference and and what you do is like you register for this and it's 30 theater companies that meet up in one place and you do 90 seconds of a song and a monologue, and they basically ask you if you, you know, if they're interested in you, you come back, and they call you back for, like, a movement. 
and then they call you back and they see if they can hire you for their summer or their fall season. Upcoming season. Okay, cool. So you're, thank you. So you're with this kid. Um, and we're not that far removed from kids, by the way, in our age. But you're with someone younger, and they're talking about yeah. their about <laughs> they're talking about going. Like, I'm not going to play us on this podcast now. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So when, yeah. when we talk about children, we um, don't get me wrong. You know, you uh, like you know when between between the ages, I would say between the ages of 18 and 24. You know, there is a maturity level, and when your maturity level is that, you know, is not there, I do tend to say children. Children. So, yeah, so this this quote-unquote child is sitting at the kitchen table. Where where are you? And, and... Yeah, we're, um, we're, like, in the, um, in the living room. And, okay. um, you know, it's like any other person that's in college. You, you want guidance. You are there to ask questions. But, you know, I won't say he's a child, but he is a young man that he's not going to ask questions, like, up front because he's still being a man, you know. But he's, like, there to, like, like asking for guidance from professionals that are working professionally. I understood what he was doing. But right. you have my young castmates that didn't see that. And he was talking about SCTC, and nobody was giving him any guidance. And yeah. I said, well, what song are you singing? I didn't know what the song was, but then I asked him, like, okay, what style is it? And when he asked me what style, and when he told me what style it was, and I said, well, okay, you know what the, li- uh, what the theater companies are? Did you do your research on the theater companies? And he said, well, what, what do you mean by re- research? And I said, go to that theater's site and look at the season. That season will determine what song you're going to sing. Because it's almost like acting one-on-one. you got to treat the audience like they're dumb, just like those casting directors, you know, because if, like, if 10 theater companies is going to do, like, say, for instance, The Wiz, Smokey Joe's Cafe, and, you know, all these, like, uh, review shows that yeah. are, like, based in the 50s and 60s, you're going to want to do a pop or a, like, Motown-y song, right? Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. you want to do so you can get hired. He didn't look at it that way. He was like, oh, wow, I'm sorry. And I was like, and then another thing, your audition doesn't stop with those 90 seconds. It also, you are auditioning every day while you are at that conference because those casting directors are at the bar and everything like that. Now, if you're going to go to the bar and network, that's another thing. You have to network. You have to talk to these people because you could probably get hired from just talking to those people. Right, right, right. I've seen you um, do this. I saw you do this in uh, Pennsylvania. You've done it with me on phone calls. I mean, you're really passionate about sharing knowledge. And I think that that is a gift that you have because what good is it for us to have all of these gifts and information and tools, you know, in our belt and not be able to pass it on? I think, I think that's wonderful about you. Um, in addition to mentorship, is there anything else? Is there like a favorite food or like, how, like, how do you come alive? Like, is, is there a dish that sets you on fire? A dish? Uh, <laughs> a food dish? Um, I love lasagna. Okay. <laughs> um, my favorite food, um, I would have to say Asian cuisine. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's like, that's like a go-to for you. Yeah, love Japanese sushi and uh, 
uh, Tai Chi, uh, Tai uh, Tea. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. That's uh, that's very cultured of you, Miss Hayes. Very cultured of you. <laughs> uh, what do you fe- oh. What do you feel that um, your life mission is? Life mission. Um, it a little bit from from chi- from Asian food, Asian cuisine to life mission. Okay. That's a jump, but. My life mission literally is to, you know, be happy, to have a career, and to have a a life with, you know, you know, the the typical, you know, marriage and kids. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. You're a family person. Mm-hmm. Now, you said that earlier that your family uh, really lifted you up when you wanted to quit Raising in the Sun, and I, I know your family, and they're so um, much of a strong support system for you. Can you tell us, if you, if, you, if you wish, about a time when you didn't feel loved or, you know, and how you overcame that? Um, one time when I didn't feel loved and was when, hmm. That's a good one. It was more of a misunderstanding, but at that time, it, it really did feel that I didn't feel loved, was when someone that was not family standing up for my mom, when me and my, you know how a, a, a mom and daughter, a love between, I will say this, a love between mom and a daughter is very weird. Oh, <laughs> Because we, it's a love-hate relationship, but you will love your mom endlessly. Uh, Your mom will love love her children endlessly. But, you know, we could could fight and argue over a a, a kitchen set, but (laughs) nobody nobody else would get it. So, um, like, if somebody else outside the family will fight with, if somebody else outside the family fought with me over what I was fighting with my mom about, and I respectfully said, with all due respect, respect, it is none of your business. Yeah. And when your mom says, you know, stop, be quiet and everything, and is talking to you like a child and you're an adult, what can you do? And it's almost like saying, you are defending the other person and not defending your child. So that miscommunication created a feeling of like a lack of love for you. Right. Yeah. And so it's like when, when it's an argument between the family, you get it. But when it's an argument outside the family and it's another person that is trying to argue or break a rift between a mother and daughter, and when it's an adult attacking another adult, it's like your mom is not letting you be the adult kind of thing because yeah. it's a thing of, you know, mom, I love you, but let me, this is not your daughter right now. This is an adult talking to another adult because if this adult is coming at me, mm-hmm. then I need to handle it. But Yeah, you wanted to fight your own battle. Right. And so, so how, did, how did you, how did this resolve for you? Like, oh, how did you overcome uh, it? It took a long time because for me, I I have a temper, <laughs> and, and it comes from my father. Um, my father has a temper, and what we tend to do is like you know when we don't understand anything, certain things, and it's like 
um, we just, like, back off a little bit. Because, for one, that is my mom. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. I just won't say nothing. Right. But then I, uh, I have the luxury of having two parents. And so I went to my father, and I was like, I don't understand what happened, <laughs> you know? So, you know, it, I think for that incident, it took me two weeks to actually calm down and actually tell her how I felt. And then mom, <laughs> dad was the mediator. Mom went to dad, and dad had to explain to her. And then she had to say, I'm sorry, it was miscommunication. Because parents still see us as four, six-year six year, uh, year children running around asking them for help. And it's right. hard to let us go as adults. I think you said something very, very powerful there, too, um, with you reaching out to your father as mediator. You know, sometimes it's important for us, no matter what we're going through in life, whether it's an interpersonal rift or, or you know, anything, um, you have to be willing to ask for help. You have to be willing yeah. to ask for someone. So when you reached out to your dad and you said, hey, like, this is really upsetting me. What's going on here? Am I not seeing clearly? Maybe my mom is right. Maybe I'm right. Like, what's going on here? Um, you opened yourself up to resolution. You opened yourself up to um, a new uh, solution to emerge, and for and for you to get the help that you wanted to get. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really important. I think that that sometimes sometimes we want to like handle things on our own. We want to you know march into the burning building and and put out the fire by ourselves and give people a piece of our minds. Um, but I think that asking for help sometimes is the most courageous thing that you can do. So what's coming up next for you in your art? Well, um, I'm doing Buddy Holly, and that is at Harris Casino in Atlantic City. Um, and um, usually I, um, I work with uh, Surf Light Theater in um, Beach Haven, New Jersey. So nothing is set yet, but 
you know, I always love working with them. And so they are they are like my theater family, to tell you the truth. I've worked with them for five years. So I love that. I love that. And where can people find out more information about your art? Um, they can look on my website, www.dwanhayes.com www.dewanhayes.com. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful talking to you as always. And I always end the episode with a couple of full fill in the blanks. So um, your fill in the blanks today are joy is. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, joy is <coughs> music, art. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one more. Freedom is? Expressing yourself as much as you can. Well, I've seen you express yourself um, in awesome, awesome, awesome ways. And you've expressed yourself wonderfully today. So thank you again for being here, Dwan. Thank you. See you later, sweetie. Take care. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I want to invite you to like, share, comment, and tweet about this episode. Your comments help me to make this podcast the best that it can be and continue to share the love. Don't forget to pass this episode on to someone that you may know that might need an extra pick-me-up as well. Also, feel free to visit lovecityarts.org. We've got more episodes, monthly giveaways, upcoming in-person events, uplifting blogs, and a book club on the way. Love City exists to uplift artists, the ones that love them, and the inner creative genius in us all. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned for another uplifting episode from the Love City Arts Podcast.